Kia ora. Welcome to the Coronavirus Podcast. I'm Maya and I'm currently locked down in a bubble with my recently ex-boyfriend. Yes, we did the cliche and broke up during quarantine and now we're stuck with each other. Luckily, we're still good friends and we're getting along pretty well. That's definitely an awkward situation, Maya. Sorry to hear that, but I am glad you're still on good terms and thanks for sending in your message. Kia ora, I'm Indira Stewart, your host for the RNZ Coronavirus Podcast. Don't forget you can send in your messages about how you're doing in lockdown and level 3, even if it is a little bit awkward. Use the RNZ VoxPop app, it's free to download and it's really easy to use. Well, this is it New Zealand. After nearly 5 weeks, we've made it to level 3. I don't know about you, but I am looking forward to having some takeout. Later this episode, our producer William Ray talks to a Wellington cafe owner who's setting up a collaborative delivery service with other cafes and restaurants in the city. I also talk to an IT expert who gives advice to businesses about operating under Level 3. But first, the headlines. Unfortunately, over the weekend, there were two more deaths. Both are linked to St Margaret's Rest Home in Auckland. The first was a woman in her 70s and the second was a woman in her 90s. Both residents of the Rest Home had underlying health conditions and had been transferred to Waitakere Hospital where they later died. So that brings the total number of deaths from coronavirus in the country to 19. The Director General of Health, Dr Ashley Bloomfield, also gave an update on the total number of cases. Six cases which were previously probable have been reclassified as either still under investigation or not a case. So this means our current national total is now 1,469 and that's a net reduction of one. The reason why some of those probable cases have been reclassified is because public health units are working with us to review recent probable cases. Some uh, of these, for example, have been classified as probable cases as part of a precautionary approach around clusters or existing cases, particularly over this last few weeks. Uh, This means that we identify close contacts and we put them in self-isolation while they are being investigated. We've found then uh, in going back and reviewing those cases, especially in some instances where they have repeated negative tests, that they no longer should be classified as probable cases. And we will continue to do that uh, over these next few weeks to help get a really good picture of what our total case number is. There is now only one case in Tauranga that the Ministry of Health is still trying to link to a point of infection. Dr Ashley Bloomfield says the Ministry is also keeping a close eye on things such as possible immunity from COVID-19 or getting the virus again. We've had a number of cases in the last week or two where the person's infection and symptoms actually started before the lockdown and then um, another person may have presented with some uh, and been diagnosed and and we've backtracked and found those people whose symptoms started uh, pre-lockdown or they've had symptoms, recovered and then become symptomatic again and have been tested at that point in time. Uh, And it's not clear whether their illness went away or whether they didn't have it in the first place. This is one of the the big um, unknown um, questions, and you'll see this being um, considered globally, is whether people do develop immunity 
um, how long that might last for if they do, whether they can be reinfected, whether someone tests positive and then some weeks later tests positive, whether that means they are still in, able to infect others or it's just um, a carryover of some viral remnants. These are all things we will be watching very closely. Meanwhile, a contact tracing app will be available to New Zealanders within two weeks' time. The app, called Trace Together, is based off of the Singaporean model, which uses Bluetooth to swap contact information. But the Prime Minister says the New Zealand version will be slightly different. Some of the technology that's being talked about at the moment uh, bypasses uh, uh, public health or health authorities. It means that you could potentially have uh, people who are being told they need to self-isolate who may not have been in quite close proximity and only human questioning will be able to determine that. So there are frailties with the system. We're still working on it. We want it to supplement what we're already doing. But the first phases of what you'll see in New Zealand uh, will be the foundations rather than straight away the Bluetooth application. And Jacinda Ardern says because using the app is voluntary, it can lose effectiveness. I remain a bit sceptical around what it's going to be able to deliver because the, the uptake has to be so high. If I have the app on my phone, it will only work well if every single one of you in this room have the app as well in order for them to speak to one another. Uh, and so it does require high uptake, and so it does have its limitations. We are working on it, but I have to say our big focus has been getting our in-person contact tracing right because we will all still be relying on that. But across the Tasman, a million people have already downloaded a tracing app after the Australian government released it there two days ago. Now, the Australian app warns users if they have more than 15 minutes of close contact with someone who tests positive. Now, taking a look at other news overseas, the Chinese government says there are no more patients with COVID-19 in Wuhan hospitals. That's the city where the virus first emerged. But the risk of imported cases remains high and outbreaks have been reported in other places in China. The country has rejected calls for an independent international investigation into how the virus started. Now, you may have seen online that in the US, comments made by President Donald Trump about light and disinfectant to eliminate COVID-19 have gone viral. Supposing we hit the body with a tremendous, uh, whether it's ultraviolet or just very powerful light, and I think you said, that hasn't been checked, but you're going to test it. And then I said, supposing you brought the light inside the body, you can, which you can do either through the skin or uh, in some other way. And I think you said you're going to test that, too. Sounds interesting. We'll right, folks right. And then I see the disinfectant, where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or or almost a cleaning, because you see it gets on the lungs and it does a tremendous number of the lungs, so it'd be interesting to check that, so that you're going to have to use medical doctors with, but it sounds, it sounds interesting to me. Now, some health departments in America have reported an increase of people ringing in to check whether they should ingest disinfectant. The US president later backtracked on his suggestion and said he was being sarcastic. Well, Dr. Ashley Bloomfield responded with silence when asked about it at the press conference yesterday, leaving the Prime Minister to comment. 
I don't think we've had any suggestion of any reported cases in New Zealand of that occurring, and so that suggests to me that no New Zealander has uh, listened to or um, uh, given any any um, credence to that suggestion. Now, for those of you who have enjoyed tuning in to the daily press conferences by Ms Ardern and Dr Bloomfield, unfortunately, they're coming to an end. Parliament is resuming its normal schedule and the Ministry of Health will still be giving daily updates but it will be without the Prime Minister. I'll return to my normal schedule of post-Cabinet press conferences and daily media stand-ups separately before the House and most days there will be government announcements from this podium as we move through Level 3 and increase our focus on the government's economic response to the virus. Ms Ardern finished off her address at the press conference by thanking Mr Bloomfield. I consider New Zealand to be very lucky to have a public servant of Dr Bloomfield's calibre leading the health response. His background in public health has meant I consider New Zealand uh, to be amongst those countries who are lucky to have that expertise uh, in leading our response, one that considers the health and wellbeing of New Zealanders in every respect. Uh, and so, Dr Bloomfield, it's been a real honour. It won't be the last time you see us both up here, but the last of the regular times. And I thank the team that supports Dr Bloomfield as well. So, Level 3, we're finally here. If you're wondering about what the changes are from Level 4 or any of the rules in place, check out the government's coronavirus website, covid19.govt.nz. In a nutshell, things don't change much for most of us. We've still got to stay at home and only go out for exercise or grocery shopping, and there will be a little bit more of us going out to work. Some schools and early childhood centres will be open, and the main thing, more businesses are now running, including contactless delivery services like takeaways. As of this morning, you can get food delivered or go pick it up yourself, so long as there's no face-to-face -face contact between staff and customers. One point of controversy has been around food delivery services like Uber Eats, which charge high margins to restaurants. While many vendors are setting their own delivery, among them is the Pandemic Pack, a network of Wellington restaurants and cafes who've banded together to create their own system. One of its founders is Jackie Lee Morrison, owner of Lashings Cafe. She told our producer William Ray they aren't planning to compete directly with the likes of Uber Eats. What we've done is we've created a system for ourselves um, to pull resources and work together. And it's not specifically because we're taking on the big guys, it's because we needed to have an affordable option for ourselves. Isn't that a bit what this looks like though? Because I mean, obviously you're not gonna be able to compete with Uber Eats or whichever other delivery service nationwide, but mm. the actual competition for Uber is from small local collectives or even individual restaurant owners saying, you know what, I'm actually not going to use the middleman. I'm just going to do this myself because it's cheaper. It's always going to look like that to people. And the important thing for us is just to stick to our guns and do what we do. We, we're not really interested in kind of messing around with the competition. We just want to get our food out there. Yeah, fair enough. So, and, and this is quite a different service to, to what Uber Eats provides. Yeah, can, you just, can you just explain, like, what is it? What, what are you doing? 
Um, we are um, being ridiculous and trying to organize collaborative collective delivery. So we're saying you should treat it more like a grocery delivery service where you would um, select different items to put into your cart and then all of those would be delivered within a certain window. So with traditional delivery services, you would open it up and go, mm, I feel like some dumplings and I want them delivered at quarter past three. But with us, we have three windows of time. It's nine to 11, that's morning tea, 12 to two lunch, and six to eight dinner. And everyone who's in um, the pandemic pack are working together to get their food ready for those particular windows. So they receive all the orders, the cutoff is an hour before the windows, they get it ready. We have a team of runners who go and collect the food from all of the restaurants, bring it to the central hub, drop it off in our no contact zone. Those of us working at the hub pack the deliveries. It goes um, to the drivers and the drivers deliver via suburb. For the consumer side, are they still ordering like, you know, I want, um, you know, something from Lashings, um, from, from you guys. And I also want a couple of things from a couple of different restaurants. Or do they have to pick sort of like a bit of everything from every restaurant? We, um, it's, the choice is totally open. We encourage you to order from as many of us as you would like. So you could have Soul Shack fried chicken, lashings, brownies, wooden spoon ice cream, um, lead straight bakery bread. You can have all of those for the same delivery. How are you making it work? I mean, do, do, you, do you have some software that, you, that you've got someone to write for it? Is there something off the shelf that you're taking? Like, how, how, how does that side of it work? The short answer is that there is nothing out there that is available that works in every level. So we've had to take a few things that are already there and combine them together. And um, my husband works in tech, but has has kind of refused to help me because <laughs> he's, it's not really that he's refused to help because he has helped me a lot. But when I, I said to him, can, you know, what's the possibility that you could make me something? He sort of went, there's no chance in hell. <laughs> but it's um, it, what we need does not exist. And so we've got various different things that we're combining together to have our ideal system and operating off several screens at the same time so that we can make it work. Um, there are definitely going to be hiccups and we really do ask for people's patience and, um, and kindness because we are navigating something that is very complicated. How does this work in terms of getting this this sort of signed off on? Like, is there some kind of auditing system or some sort of like certain criteria you have to meet? Like, how do you make sure that all of this um, follows the rules? Um, we have a lot of health and safety systems in place. All of the different businesses have their own health and safety policies. And because we are operating the deliveries out of one central location, we have an entire policy which everyone has had to read and sign electronically um, to make sure that we are all covered and we're all doing the right thing and keeping people safe and keeping our staff safe. Within, um, I mean, that's one of the reasons why we have quite a few limits on the things that we're making because every single business is working with a skeleton crew. And if that means everyone has to work um, a meter apart within the workplace, you've got to be two meters away from customers. You can't have people queuing. You can't have, you know, there are so many parameters and we've had to make that really, really clear to everyone in various different policies that they have to read and sign. 
I, I get that the, some of the stuff is sort of probably commercially sensitive, but I mean, does this all work out economically or, or is this just sort of something you're trying and you'll see whether you can make money out of it? I think right now in the current situation we're in, no one is going to be making money. People are just doing their best that they can. That was Jackie Lee Morrison from the Pandemic Pact talking to our producer, William Ray. Now, getting technology up to scratch is vital for businesses to operate, especially in Level 3. Daniel Oliver is the founder and director of Unify Digital, which specialises in IT management, software development and cybersecurity. He told me businesses need to prepare plans not just to get through Level 3, but beyond the pandemic as well. It's really easy to put together some simple apps that are secure, and that's far better than using spreadsheets and logbooks that can get lost and edited by people that shouldn't be editing it, etc. Contactless ordering as well, just whatever systems you've got in place now, if you can tweak it ready to be accessible for contactless ordering, that's ideal. Secondly, at this time, really keeping cybersecurity at the forefront is so important. We saw during the lockdown, as people were scrambling to get themselves prepared to keep working through lockdown, it was so easy to just say, okay, let's just, let's just make things a bit simpler at the moment and be a little, little less um, tight on security. Now's not the time for that. Cyber criminals are still out there looking for opportunities to get into New Zealand businesses. So it's really important to keep the standards up for cybersecurity and to look for ways to enhance your existing security. And I think lastly, if a business is thinking about developing an online presence, they must focus on building capabilities that create new value for their customers and their staff rather than just reinventing what they're already doing. Before coronavirus came along, we were already anticipating a real need for New Zealand businesses to innovate and transform themselves digitally in order to stay competitive. So it makes sense to dive in now and use the reboot of the economy as the impetus to really reinvent your business as best you can. That's some awesome advice there. One thing I wanted to touch on, which you mentioned, which I didn't really think about, but is that something a lot of businesses should be looking at if they can, is their own sort of contact tracing app or their own uh, contact tracing systems? Yes, absolutely. The potential requirement to have to dig back into your records for the sake of tracing someone who's gotten sick, I think it makes far more sense to have an app that you can record and it can be secured behind usernames and passwords as well. There's so many platforms out there that you can do this with. Two that come to mind, anyone who's with Office 365 or G Suite, the capabilities are already there to build something like that very quickly and easily. A software partner like Unified Digital, it'd be really easy for developers like Unified Digital to just throw something together really quickly based on the platforms that you've already got access to. A lot of businesses don't realize that that's already at their fingertips. And I think it's, a, it's just about setting a new culture, a new paradigm that when we create new things in our business, we're not falling back to spreadsheets, we're not falling back to logbooks, we're actually going to use something that's collaborative and that's actually really useful and easy for people to use as part of their everyday life working digitally. Do you see consumer habits and the way businesses and services uh, op operate, uh, do you see that changing permanently after this, even if a vaccine is found somewhere in the near future? Yes, I do see it changing 
at least for quite some time, the appetite for consumers to want to interact online, to make orders online, to pay online, I think are going to be enhanced. They're going to be more significant now than before. People are still nervous about uh, being in crowds. So the likelihood of people rushing back to the shops tomorrow, I think, is is unlikely. Um, you'll probably see the drive-throughs full again. <laughs> Everyone's getting back to their fast food. But I think, generally speaking, consumers are going to be sensitive to this for quite some time. And I think that trend was happening anyway. We were already seeing consumers go down that path anyway. The evolution of how we do our grocery shopping just in the last 12 to 24 months. 24 months ago, if you said to people, hey, you're probably going to be ordering it online and it's going to be dropped at your door, most people would have looked at you sideways, but it's it's here and a lot of people are right into it already. As a business owner yourself and also someone in the technology business, what's been the biggest lesson for you uh, that you've learnt or thought about in the past few weeks? I'd have to sum it up by saying business continuity planning. I think that uh, if you look at the experiences of New Zealand in the last 10 years, we've thought about what are we going to do if there's an earthquake. We've thought about what are we going to do if we get a, a cyber breach on a network. We've thought about what are we going to do if there's a terrorist attack. But no one has stopped to think, well, what if there's a, a, a virus spreading around the population that means that my staff can't go to work and my customers can't leave their house either? So coming up with uh, a risk assessment for your business and putting plans in place for how to keep going is so, so important. I've learned that for our own business, we're very lucky that we're able to do a lot of, of stuff remotely, but the same is not true for our customers. So therefore, the ability to stay relevant to them has been uh, a difficult process and something that if we had planned beforehand, I think we could have accounted for that a lot better. But for a lot of New Zealand businesses, taking some time out to think about how do we assess the risks that we've just been exposed to for four weeks and obviously for longer in the future as well, how do we assess those risks and put some plans in place and use technology as well to the best of our ability to prevent the business interruptions in future and to make sure that in a case like this, we are able to keep trading, we are able to be safe, we are able to give our customers some confidence that we're here and we're not going anywhere despite the fact that we're going through an international crisis. Resilience is the key word there. I'm really excited for the future. I've been really impressed with some of our own clients that we're interacting on with on a daily basis. There's this sort of uh, cautious optimism by New Zealand businesses, which I'm really proud of. And I think this is a great opportunity for people to reinvent themselves, be innovative, to step up to the mark internationally and show that, that we can come out of a crisis like this and be stronger than ever. That was Daniel Oliver talking to me about how businesses can strengthen themselves digitally in the wake of COVID-19. Well, enjoy your takeaways, New Zealand. Remember, Level 3 doesn't mean we're out of the woods yet. Don't forget the basics, washing your hands, keeping your distance and staying in your bubble. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Kia homaru, kia kaha, ka kite koe pōpō. The Coronavirus Podcast is presented by me, Indira Stewart. It's produced by William Ray, Jesse Chang and Sonia Slide. Our sound engineer is Adrian Holley. The executive producer is Tim Watkin. You can subscribe to the Coronavirus Podcast anywhere and it's free. Just go to the podcast and series page at rnz.co.nz. 